1: This is Bridging Philly, connecting our communities on the issues that matter to you. Presented by Gift of Life Donor Program, organ donors save lives.
2: Hello, I'm Raquel Williams. Welcome to Bridging Philly. The DA's office has a program which funds community organizations using money seized from drug operations to bolster programs that will prevent gun violence in the city. Raw Tools Philly is one of those organizations. We'll talk to a representative of the group and learn about how they take weapons of destruction and turn them into gardening tools.
3: We're inspired by this vision of the prophets in the Bible that talk about beating swords into plows and spears into pruning hooks. And we said, well, we don't have a lot of swords in America, but we've got a heck of a lot of guns.
2: If it's happening in Philadelphia, Sharaday Howard probably knows all
4: about it. Paul Rosen always claimed Philadelphia as his home. He was a singer. He was an actor. He was an orator. He was an attorney. He was an editor of one of the first black newspapers. That's coming up on Bridging Philly.
1: This is Bridging Philly from KYW News Radio 1039 FM.
2: The DA's office has a program which funds community organizations using money seized from drug operations to bolster programs that will prevent gun violence in the city. So, first off, let's just talk about the money. Where exactly does the money come from for this particular grant program? The money comes from criminals,
5: basically. The law permits prosecutor's offices to take property that's either proceeds of crime or it's a tool for the commission of crime. Many years ago, this office would take that money and they'd use it for salaries. Um, that, it turns out, was illegal and therefore seven years of litigation followed. And Part of the resolution of that lawsuit was that the money that is taken, let's say, from drug dealers will be returned to the communities it came from. Uh, We won't be using it for our own salaries, and so we made a decision a while ago to invest in community-based organizations in those areas that are doing anti-crime work, that are doing positive, constructive work with youth. We think it's been a very successful program for lifting up smaller organizations, shoestring organizations, people working out of their own back pocket. Some of these organizations do amazing work and have been doing it for a very long time, Um, but they need support. The city is comfortable usually funding much larger organizations, but there's problems with that because there's a lot of good ideas and good people out there in the smaller organizations who need to get money. They don't need to get a reimbursement a year from now. They need to get the money now so that they can mobilize and have materials and do important work. Summer's coming. We want to make sure that we get resources out there. So that's how we've chosen to use a lot of that money.
2: Well, it's certainly good that you're spreading the love and you know making sure that the money is going to organizations that are truly Doing the work. I know this is going to continue. So, what's the criteria for organizations
5: to qualify? This is for community based organizations in Philadelphia that are 501c3s, meaning they are nonprofit organizations with a status that is known as a 501c3 status. The application is real short, it's only a page or two, it's pretty basic. And those applications will go to the Philadelphia Foundation, which vets them and then will rate the applications based on their expertise as being worthy of funding, debatable, or not worthy of funding at this time. Those are recommendations. Ultimately, we make the decision, but we take those recommendations very seriously because we want to make sure the money goes where it's supposed to go. Anyone who is interested can email grantmakingservices at philafound.org. That's the Philadelphia Foundation's Site so we're so it's grant making services like that's one word at philafound p h i l a f o u n d dot org
2: exactly how many organizations are you looking to give grants out to by the end of this process
5: well the amounts of these grants vary I would say some of them are in the range of five thousand dollars every now and then these grants get up closer to five or ten times that so um, we're looking to support a lot of organizations we understand that there is a real urgency. To this,
2: You know, one of the pressing questions with regards to these grants, I think from people in the community, is the fact that they see that the money is going out, they see that organizations are receiving it, but they also see that there are still tragic events taking place daily on our streets. So I guess my next question to you would be, what are your expectations of these organizations that receive
5: the grant money to help fight violent crime? We hold people accountable. We take this seriously. Uh, We understand that these are not giant organizations with a whole team of accountants and so on, but um, the work that they do doesn't have to be documented in ways that stop them from getting it done. We just want them to get it done, and we will work with them to make sure we know the money was used the right way.
2: Can you give me some examples of how the organizations are being held accountable?
5: Well, the short answer is that they have to file reports and that the Philadelphia Foundation itself, which uh, has great expertise in this field, is ultimately making sure that we have compliance and we have accountability.
2: Now, I have seen the list of organizations that have received money in the past, and they seem like solid organizations that are boots on the ground. In your opinion, is the work that these organizations are doing moving the needle at all when it comes to fighting gun violence
5: and violence overall? I would say they definitely have. Any effort directed at gun violence or at crime generally is only going to succeed if you have multiple programs and multiple approaches going all at the same time. Um, This is something that Richard Ross, the former police commissioner, used to talk about, something Sylvester Johnson talked about, the necessity of involving people at the grassroots level with law enforcement efforts. And I believe that they're right. If we have 12 or 13 different significant approaches going that are in the nature of prevention, that are in the nature of violence intervention, we can get somewhere. If we make the mistake of thinking a single approach is going to solve everything, then we're going to fail. So, you know, I've, I've been around these organizations. I am confident that they are making a difference. Every life matters. And while we all wish that no lives were taken in the city of Philadelphia, and we all wish that this terrible gun violence spike was reducing more quickly than it is. I think there's no doubt that these organizations are making a positive uh, outcome possible. How long will this program continue, and actually, when did it start? Well, we've been doing this now for close to 18 months, Um, and it will continue as long as there are drug dealers dealing drugs and other people committing crimes. Uh, They do not get to keep the profit or the tools of their criminal activity, and it does need to be put into the neighborhoods they have damaged. So we intend to do this as long as I'm around.
2: Raw Tools Philly is one of those organizations.
3: We get our name from flipping war backwards. That's how we get the Raw Tools. And we're inspired by this vision of the prophets in the Bible that talk about beating swords into plows and spears into pruning hooks. And we said, well, we don't have a lot of swords in America, but we got a heck of a lot of guns. You know, more guns than people. So we invited folks uh, that wanted to get um, to surrender unwanted firearms uh, to do it. And ten years ago, we got our first gun, which was an AK-47, and we chopped it up and turned it into a shovel and a rake. Uh, that was our first raw tool, uh, and we've been doing it ever since. And Now we get guns uh, donated all the time from individuals, from municipalities, and we transform them into garden tools and art. And, uh, but I mean, that's the symbolic part, but it's also the point of it is to honor all the lives that have been lost to guns and we center the voices of people who have been directly impacted. But we also proclaim, you know, that all things can be made new and just as metal can be recrafted. We can also reimagine our policies so that we can save more lives. That's awesome.
2: And I understand that you guys also have uh, some sort of conflict resolution type of aspect to your organization. Can you tell me about that?
3: Yeah, sometimes my friend Mike Martin, who I wrote Beating Guns With, he's a pastor, and he said that this is our easy work is turning the guns into garden tools. But we also really believe in the hard work of de-escalating violence, of violence interruption, of reimagining ways of dealing with conflict. Uh, So we do a lot of reflection on that, hearing from folks who have really disciplined themselves, who have experienced violence or even been perpetrators of violence that – are trying to build a better, safer world. And, um, you know, a lot of times when you talk about guns, people say it's not a gun problem, it's a heart problem. And we say it can be both, you know, and we can he- work on the healing of hearts, but we also need to work on changing the policies too. As Martin Luther King said, a law can't make you love me, but it can make it harder for you to kill me. <laughs> okay, true. How would
2: you say um, Ratu's Philly is making an impact on the issue of gun violence in Philadelphia as everybody's doing something to chip away at this problem?
3: Right. There's a whole lot of folks working on this, and we are collaborators. From the very beginning, when we transformed the AK-47, we did that with all kinds of different groups. So there's folks that are working on the economic side, you know, to provide jobs that are alternatives uh, to violence. As one of my friends says, nothing stops a bullet like a job. Uh, but I think our piece of that puzzle is that we're located directly uh, in Kensington, at Kensington and Allegheny. Uh, that's the neighborhood I've lived in for the last 25 years. So we are um, one of those neighborhoods that's really carrying a, a, a disproportionate amount of the the loss of life on our, and that, that's what happened for me. You know, we saw too many lives lost on our corners and, um, and so we are making it easier to dispose of unwanted guns to get guns off the streets. And there aren't a whole lot of people doing that. I mean, it was like 15 years ago, one of my friends said it's easier to get a gun in our neighborhood than it is to get a fresh salad. And that was a commentary on many levels, you know, the access to good food, but, but we said, well, you know, and he, we we were also talking about it we said, it's easier to get a gun than it is to get rid of one. And there's a lot of folks that are rethinking handguns in their house or they're like this guy that gave us the AK-47 rethinking, why do I have a weapon of war that's designed for one thing to kill as many people as possible, as quickly as possible. So there's a lot of folks I think that are rethinking things, especially in the light of record gun deaths, you know, in the last few years in Philly and all over the country. Um, So a lot of these guns have really terrible stories behind them. Um, and uh, many of them are su- were used in suicide. Um, some of them have been confiscated from someone that may be a, suffering from mental illness is, has been you know, admitted into a hospital and the law enforcement takes their guns and they don't need them for court because there's not a criminal case or anything, but they just need to get rid of those. Um, we had a family that moved into Philly that one of their family members gave them an AR-15. And they were like, they didn't even know it was coming. It came in the mail, Raquel. And, and so they, they're like, we don't even want this. So they Googled how to get rid of a gun and it pulled up Raw Tools, Philly. So, you know, there's so many layers of this. Um, but we, you know, we have painted a memorial wall in our shop on Kensington Avenue where we're remembering all of the lives lost to guns. And uh, part of that mural was painted by a young man who uh, lost his brother. And you can see those names. And even as we're, you know, uh, beating on this wood and melting down bullet casings. We walk through that space and are reminded every day um, of the cost, you know, of not doing anything around gun violence. And and I'm a person of faith, but I'm tired of preachers and politicians just offering thoughts and prayers after every shooting and then uh, refusing to do the things that would actually save lives.
2: Got it. Got it. You know, I spoke to another organization and I posed the question this way, kind of playing devil's advocate for people who say, why give all this money to these community organizations? What are they really doing? How is this making a difference? I don't think that they should get the money. If you hear that from someone who and I really haven't heard anybody criticize it. But if you heard that from someone, if some, you know, someone saying that out of frustration like they want a quick fix, they want to see things just end immediately, not understanding that this takes time. You know, what would you say to that person?
3: Some of the groups that are most effective have the least amount of resources and um, infrastructures to build that. I, I mean, I can name a 10 or 20 different groups on the ground that are really doing powerful work on all levels to create alternatives to violence and also to... Um, Address directly the things that are root causes of of gun violence. So we became a nonprofit uh, this year. Even though I've been working in Kensington for 25 years, we've started different nonprofits addressing affordable housing and community gardens and other stuff. But uh, so I, I'm really grateful that we're funding groups that aren't the massive organizations, and we work with those. You know, every town, Moms Demand Action, Ceasefire, you know, Heeding God's Call, all these different groups in Philly. We're collaborating together. But they even know that some of the groups that really have their feet on the ground in the, in the neighborhoods directly impacted aren't getting the visibility and funding that they, they really should. So a question comes to mind. Imagine if
2: all of these organizations weren't in place, weren't doing anything. How do you think Philly would look?
3: Oh, I mean, it's hard to imagine. You know, a lot of us are doing this work because we can't not do this work. You know, for me, um, I mean, the the real thing that got me thinking about gun violence was when a 19-year-old was killed right in front of my house, a young man named Papito. And I remember reading Dr. King saying, we're all called to be the good Samaritan and lift our neighbor out of the ditch. But after you lift so many people out of the ditch, you got to do something about the road to Jericho, (laughs) you know, so... I mean, I it's hard to imagine, like the, the fact is, proximity makes all the difference in the world, and um, I think for folks that don't feel the fire in their bones around this issue that is now the number one cause of death of American children, in my lifetime, like, we've lost more lives domestically to guns than in all of the casualties of all of America's wars combined. I mean, it's just uh, it, so. If that's not a fire in our bones, I think it's because maybe we're not close enough to the pain, and we've got to, we've got to stay near to this and realize that these are people's babies, these are people's moms and dads. These these are precious lives that have names and faces. This is not just a statistic, but the statistics matter too. I mean, the fact that we we had more gun deaths in the last few years than we've had in the history of the city of Philadelphia. and and, you know more around the country so i it doesn't have to be this way and that that's kind of what we're declaring every time we we transform a tool of death into a tool of life you know Mm. um but yeah. we're also giving out, you know, we're giving out gun locks because we we want to be clear that, like, there's a lot of interventions that we need, you know, and we give out free gun locks to gun owners that are just trying to be a little safer and trying to be a little bit more responsible. So we need to get away from the bumper stickers and, you know, I like I just the the like culture wars of uh, and go, what can we do together? that might save a few lives. We're not going to save every life, but we can save some of those 110 lives every day that are being lost.
0: Bridging Philly continues in a moment. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory... Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com/system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com/system.
5: At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care, and we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best, it's possible pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line it's possible complex specialty care that cares about your roi it's possible because we're already doing it all while saving businesses billions that's wonder made possible learn more at evernorth.com wonder ryan reynolds here from Mint mobile with the price of just about
4: everything
2: going up during inflation we thought we'd bring our prices down so to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a
5: thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15,
3: just 15 bucks a month? Sold! Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch.
0: $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com.
1: Back to Bridging Philly from KYW News Radio 103.9 FM.
0: I
2: saw the statistic the other day. Uh, I think we reported it It's probably changed since I last saw it. 17 students in Philadelphia have been shot and killed. 78 have actually been shot. We're talking about kids going to school and coming home. And often it's right near school grounds, been broad daylight. That should not be normal when we wake up in the morning and we see a 14-year-old, a 15-year-old shot 10 times and not making it home. And then we're just going about our day. I mean, I remember I was in my Chinese food restaurant just getting something for lunch and I was talking about it on the phone and I just felt like I shouldn't be just going about my life. Like this doesn't feel right. Like everything should be stopping but it's not,
3: but that's me going off on a tangent. I'm sorry. Um... It's such an important tangent. I mean, here's the thing. We, Raquel, we were in a meeting, a community meeting about gun violence with the DA's office and the 57 blocks initiative, looking at the <laughs> 57 blocks impacted. We're in that meeting right here on the corner and, and the shots rang out from an assault rifle that shot like 30 rounds. I mean, we're on the ground. It's right outside. It's, 15 feet away or something right outside the window and two people were shot. One of them was killed um, while we're in a meeting about gun violence. I mean, that that's so messed up. Right. And, yeah. yeah. <sighs>
2: okay. Um, tell me when um, Raw Tools Philly received the uh, grant, uh, if it was the first one and how much the grant was and what you were able to do with it.
3: Yeah, we, we received uh the first grant in in that first wave. So it was, uh, I think a year and a half ago that we got our first grant. It was um, $29,000, I think. And that was massive for us. Uh, It allowed us to set up our shop on Kensington Avenue where we have all of our equipment. We now have an awning outside so we can work rain or snow or anything. Um, We have all the equipment now that we're able to um, bring the forge and actually melt guns um, and and transform them in public demonstrations uh so we're doing those at schools we're doing them on street corners and parks um and we're centering the people impacted so we say if if you want to tell your story and you want to take the hammer there's no pressure but if you want to you can and i got it i mean i can't even tell you i got all the hairs on my arms stand up you know as people beat on the gun and they name the names of the people they love that have been lost um we we've even had, had one young man that beat 18 times on a gun. And then he said later he kind of collapsed. And he said, that's for the young man whose life I took. So there's, you know, all sides of this. And and you know, I, I think that's why we call it sacramental. It's a church word, but it means, you know, it's a holy mystery when you see this this transformation of a gun into a garden tool. But it's also healing. It's honoring people's grief and trauma and giving them a channel uh, to take it out <laughs> on, the, on the barrel of a, of an AR-15. Um, so we've been able to really set up our shop. We established our nonprofit. As, we're now a separate 501c3 from the fiscal sponsor that, you know, we got the grant with. And we're establishing a citywide safe surrender network, other community centers and churches and synagogues, mosques that have been trained in how to legally and safely Uh, decommission guns and even uh, if they want to learn the art of blacksmithing you know how to do that we've got some young people that are aspiring blacksmiths and artists so we're able to create some um, income opportunities and that's exactly the kind of stuff we want to keep doing and scale up bridging philly
1: continues in a moment Back to Bridging Philly, connecting our communities on the issues that matter to you.
2: Whether it's arts, culture, food, or community happenings, Shara Day Howard has her finger on the pulse of what's happening in Philadelphia. Here's the latest from Shara in the City. Paul
6: Robeson House and Museum in West Philadelphia is hosting a week-long celebration in honor of Robeson's 125th birthday. A regular Renaissance man, the world-renowned actor, singer, athlete, lawyer, and scholar made Philadelphia his home in the early part of the 20th century. That home, now a museum on 49th and Walnut Street, is where he helped lay the groundwork as a pioneer in the modern civil rights movement by using his celebrity as an actor and singer and so much more. Robeson in dozens of Hollywood films and spoke even more languages fluently. Well, who knew? Actually, executive director Janice Sykes-Ross did. So we paid a visit to the museum to learn more. Now 125 years, this is a special time for not only Philadelphia, but the legacy of Paul Robeson. What does this mean
4: to Philadelphia? This means a tremendous amount to Philadelphia. Paul Robeson always claimed Philadelphia as his home. He was born in Princeton. But when he, in the later years especially, when people said, are you going to go home? He came to Philly. His sister lived here. Uh, This was the house of his older sister, Marion Forsythe. And so if you know how it is with family, wherever family is, that's where you're going to be.
6: That's your home. That's your home. Now you walked me through this beautiful space, which actually feels like he's here. It's so well curated.
4: It's definitely a family collaborative effort. And we. when I say family, I'm talking about volunteers. This has been a volunteer organization for the last 30 years, starting with our founder, Francis P. Austin, and coming with our next executive director, which was Vernoka Michael, and then to myself. And I am actually the first paid executive director. It's that kind of love for the history and the contributions that he has made to this country.
6: And that kind of rides through everything that I see. It's the love of history, it's the love of Philadelphia, all of these things you can feel walking into this space. Now, Robeson was absolutely no stranger to not only controversy and, of course, talent and activism. Can we talk about him just a little bit?
4: Absolutely. What I tell a lot of people that's coming is they don't know how multifaceted he was. You know, he was a singer. He was an actor. He was an orator. He was an attorney. He was an editor of one of the first black newspapers. He traveled around. Of course, he was a great speaker, but they really tried to just put him into a box And he wasn't about to stay in anybody's box. And he said, you know, I want to use my talent. I want to use my art. But I also want to bring awareness. I want to speak out about injustice in this country against my own people. But I also want to talk about what's going on all around the world. I want to talk about what's going on in Spain. I want to talk about China. I want to talk about Russia. And he spent a great deal of time in Russia. And he spoke 22 languages. And when he found that he's going in, living in London, visiting Russia, and he was treated very differently in these then foreign countries, right? As opposed to the way that he was treated here at home. Uh, He could go into a restaurant and sit down and have a meal and be served. He couldn't do that here. Even after he would sing at places like the Metropolitan Opera right here in Philadelphia, he couldn't go into a restaurant. He had to go through the kitchen and come out the back alley. And that's painful. That's painful as a human being and certainly someone of his notoriety. And so he wanted to use his popularity to bring attention to that. It sparked a fire in him. It sparked the fire. And it started with his father. His father was enslaved on a plantation in North Carolina, escaped slavery, came to Philadelphia, was educated at Lincoln University. So he was educated right here in Philadelphia. So he was educated at Rutgers and went to Columbia University, but he used all of that to really bring awareness to Philadelphia. And he had such a a connection to Philadelphia because of his father, because his father went to Lincoln. And so a lot of people thought Robeson went to Lincoln, but it was because of his father. And he honored that. And that, one, that is one reason why he connected Philadelphia. And he was involved in a lot of protests and just bringing that awareness to Philadelphia.
6: Now, his music
4: and his talents, of course, were one thing. Then, of course, he
6: was a cinematic star, and he had top billing. Let's talk about how rare he was, how much of a rare but uh, really important talent he was then, and that carries
4: over to now. So it was rare. It was rare, first of all, because everything that he did, he wanted to do with excellence. He always felt like he wanted to show that Black people were just as important historically, academically. They were just as relevant to this country as our counterparts. And so he excelled in everything, which made that rare. We're talking 22 languages. We're talking singing in 27 languages. And not only did he just speak your language, but if you were saying, I'm from the South, then he would make it, break it down to your dialect. <laughs> now that,
6: <laughs> is and that is rare. That is rare. And then he was
4: in how many movies? He was in over 13 movies that he received top billing and controversy on both sides. You know, there was some controversy from the black community, the NAACP, and there was controversy, of course, from the white community. But he withstood it from both sides. And he wrote the book called Here I Stand. And so the 125th anniversary that we're celebrating right now is called Here We Stand. So, and really what we're saying is he did his part, it's time for us. This is our time. How do we then continue the legacy, pick up that torch and move it forward? No better way to honor him than to have a street right here named after him, Paul Robeson Way. We had a gala that (laughs) featured stars coming from all over the country. And also to leave our legacy of having him recognized as the first African-American to play in the NFL, to have streets renamed after him all over this country, starting with Philadelphia, starting with Princeton, and also to make sure that his legacy lives on, starting right here at the Paul Robeson House and Museum. Thank you so much
2: for joining us for Bridging Philly, brought to you by Gift of Life donor program, Oregon donors save lives. Be sure to connect with us on Twitter at Bridging Philly, and please don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. For Jared Day Howard and our producer, Patty McMahon, I'm Raquel Williams. Be well.